Hey, good morning, City Light. That's it. All right. I'm glad you all survived the polar vortex or whatever that was last week and made it through the fog here this morning. I'm glad because today we're going to continue walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is the longest sermon of Jesus recorded in the whole Bible. It contains some of the most memorable statements that he ever made when he walked this earth. And this sermon of his has a point. See, before he even started preaching it, Matthew, the uh, writer of this gospel, tells us that Jesus was going around proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That means Jesus was going around telling anybody and everybody who would listen about life in his kingdom. And that's the point of this sermon. Jesus wants to give his followers a glimpse, a peek into what life is like when you follow him, what life is like in the kingdom of Jesus. And so we see here at the very beginning, uh, Jesus give a little bit of an introduction. And it happens sort of in two parts. Doug did the first part last week, and he, he starts off by telling us what it's like to experience life in Jesus' kingdom. It's hashtag blessed, right? It's this kind of upside down blessedness and happiness that comes not just when you got new boots to show off on stage while you're preaching. Uh, it come, it's deeper than that. It's more lasting than that. That deep uh, blessing and happiness come to the poor in spirit, come to people who are mourning, that comes when all kinds of haters are launching false accusations and insults at you. The blessing of life in Jesus' kingdom is deep and real and good, even when the world isn't. And so we start, I got it, you guys. So we start off with the experience of life in the kingdom, and then it moves from experience in the kingdom to the impact that Jesus' kingdom has on the world around it. And right away, Jesus tells us that his kingdom is good for us, but it's not meant to stop with us. Let me make that just a little more personal. The kingdom of Jesus is good news for you, but it's not meant to stop with you. All right, let me read it. Let me read to you what Jesus says, how he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So help me out here. Jesus said to his followers back then and is still saying to his followers today, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The whole earth. The whole world. That means when Jesus' kingdom takes root in our hearts, it impacts the whole world. Are you tracking with me? Let's pause here for just a minute and consider why this matters. If you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Jesus is telling his followers, people like you and me, that you are just the kind of people he wants to use to change the world. He's saying you are the people he wants to use to change the world. He's telling us that his kingdom is not just another path 
to a happier life. His kingdom is not just an internal journey toward a better version of yourself. Jesus' kingdom is not some political kingdom with boundary lines that you could see or draw on a map. Jesus is saying his kingdom is the very people who've given their lives to the Savior who gave his life for them. And it is that kingdom, it is those people, it is you and me who are the salt and light to the world. That means Jesus is inviting us to be part of his rescue mission to save the world out of darkness into light. To save people out of death and into life. Jesus is calling us into a mission that's bigger than ourselves. Are you with me? You see it? And track with me here. Have you ever asked the question, is this all there is? You ever gotten to that point? Is this all there is to life? I've been there. Uh, for me, I got there when I was working in telesales. And I'm just going to be honest with you right away. It was awful. I was awful at it, and it was awful for me. I hated it. I would go to work, and I would sit in a chair at a small desk in a row, like a sea of chairs at small desks, surrounded by khaki-colored cubicle walls that were surrounded by higher khaki-colored drywall walls. It was like a sea of little chairs at little desks in a khaki world. And I had to make calls there all day, every day, just to get hung up on and rejected repeatedly. Like, I made three sales in six months. They told me once, Eric, you did not pay for the first week we had hired you in six months of employment. I was awful, okay? My numbers were bad. My commission was bad. My attitude was bad. I sat at that desk every day and felt bored and alone, like I was failing, and I was hopeless. It was terrible. And I remember getting to work one day and taking the elevator up, and while I was on that elevator headed into the khaki sea, I thought, is this all there is? Is life just trading my time for a paycheck at a job I am no good at? There has to be more to life than this. Have you ever gotten there? Have you ever felt that? Man, my friend Chase got there. His uh, experience was a little more extreme than mine. He found himself addicted to drugs, living far from home. And one day, he overdosed, and he found himself on a stretcher in the back of an ambulance. And as he saw the first responders working over him, trying to save his life, he looked back on that life they were trying to save, and he thought, is this all there is? Man, is life just carrying the chains of addiction, trying to struggle from one high to the next. There has to be more. Man, if you're a parent of young kids, it might be wondering, man, is this all there is? Is life just correcting and disciplining my kids all the time? Does anything ever sink in? There has to be more than this, right? If you're a college student, it might be wondering, 
man, is this all there is? Is life just taking on more and more debt while I take classes I don't know if I will ever use in hopes to get a job that might not even exist when I graduate? There has to be more. Or like for Doug, it's wondering, is this little peach fuzz under my lip all there is? There's supposed to be more, right? (laughs) We've all gotten to those moments. When you just feel like, man, is this all there is to life? There has to be something more. Have you ever been there? And I think that longing, that inner longing is a desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We all want our lives to have meaning beyond the monotony. We want our moments to matter. We want to have some impact on the world. And here in Matthew chapter 5, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he is telling his followers straight from his lips, that inner longing is fulfilled when you are part of my kingdom. Being part of Jesus' kingdom is like shaking salt onto an unseasoned dinner. It's like turning on the light switch in a dark room. His his kingdom has an impact on us that moves beyond us to the world around it. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. If you've ever had a desire to be part of something bigger than yourself, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to you. And so today, I just want to ask the question, what does that look like? How does that work? Jesus gives us two examples. We are salt and we are light. Now these are both sensory images. Salt is tasted, light is seen. And so Jesus is telling us, he's telling his followers that when the kingdom of God takes root In us, the world around us sees him, tastes him. And so we want to look at each of these pictures today. We'll start with salt. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. To state what's plain to everybody, salt flavors things. It seasons things. Whatever you put salt in tastes like salt once you've put it in it, right? That just is the way it works. I was made aware of this fact uh, earlier this year when my wife and I tried to do Whole30. Anybody ever heard of Whole30 or tried to do it? It's like this challenge where you eat only whole and healthy foods for 30 days. That means no sugars, no processed food, nothing that tastes good, right? You get the idea? And you're supposed to do it for 30 days, And I'll confess to you from the outset, I made it 14 because I am weak. It was like a modified 14-day Whole30. But (laughs) in those 14 days, I noticed something when I wasn't eating food packed with sugar. I noticed that I really enjoyed salt. You with me? Eggs taste better salted than plain. Vegetables taste better salted than plain. Fish, better salted than plain. Pork loin, better salted than plain. Listen, you get the idea. Salt just makes eating more enjoyable. So I'm no barefoot contessa in the kitchen. I just took the salt shaker and put it on everything I was eating, all right? Salt 
flavors things. It brings out flavors that were hidden before you put salt on it. Eating is just more enjoyable when salt is in your food. And friends, Jesus says we are supposed to have an impact like that on the world. You are the salt of the earth. He's saying the world should taste better when Jesus' people are in it. There should be more flavor when you are in the world. People should enjoy life more when Jesus' people are around them. And I actually see this happening. Okay, I don't know about you, sometimes I read the Bible and I wonder, does this actually happen? Jesus says it, but is it really, like, legit? This actually happens. Let me give you a story. Um, My friend Ray Peters, he's here in church, he goes to church here. Uh, He works at a plumbing supply place. And as part of his job, whenever trucks come in with pipes on them, Ray helps unload the the pipes from the trucks. And most of the people Ray works with are younger than him. Uh, And so he's doing this hard job, physically demanding work in the heat and in the cold uh, with all these guys that are younger than him. And one of those guys one day asked Ray something like, how do you work so hard and stay so happy all the time? He actually asked Ray this question. And so he's noticing something different about Ray. He says, man, right, this is physically demanding work, but you go 100% all the time. No cutting corners, no slacking off. This is a hard job, and yet you're just happy while you do it. No complaining, no attitude. I don't get it. The world is kind of better. This job is better because you're here. Why is that? And Ray, being the evangelist kind of guy that he is, he had a long, great answer. But when you boil it down, you know what he said? It's Jesus in me. I didn't do this. Jesus did this in me. Ray figured something out about pulling pipes that the rest of the world didn't figure out. The people around him noticed, man, this job is better when you are here. I want to know about that. Listen, on the surface... Ray pulling pipes off trucks is not all that different from me making phone calls in the khaki seat, right? Neither of us dreamed about those jobs when we were little kids. And yet, Ray figured something out about pulling pipes that I never figured out when I was making calls. Ray figured out, man, this job can have a kingdom impact if I'm a little salty while I do it, right? Ray figured out that when the joy of the Lord is your strength, hard work in cold weather just doesn't shake it. He says when your hope is in Jesus, the forever king, instead of a small paycheck that barely gets you through the week, you just don't get down. Jesus said that his followers would flavor the world like salt flavors food. People who don't know Jesus get a taste of life in his kingdom when they live life around us. Amen? You are the salt of the earth. So Jesus starts with salt, and then he adds this second image to the identity of people in his kingdom. He says, you are 
the light. This is how he says it. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So again, we see Jesus' kingdom can be sensed. This time it can be seen. We use our eyes to see the light. Light has this way of piercing through the darkness. Now here in the United States, we're pretty used to having light anywhere we want it all the time. That's common for us. But that's not true everywhere else in the world. When I went to Rwanda for the first time, I got to take a three-hour bus ride through the mountainous countryside at night. So we set out as the sun was setting, and as we drove, the night got darker, and pretty soon I realized, man, you can't see anything outside the beam of the headlights. Look ahead, you can see the road. Look to the side or behind, it's just black. So we're climbing through the mountains and twisting um, around the curves, and every once in a while, you could see a little light at the top of one of the hills. And it stood out because you could not see anything else. Just this little light. And you knew somehow the road we were on was curving and twisting and we were gonna see where that light was coming from. And so as we made our way closer, the light would get brighter and every time we passed one of those lights, you know what it was? It was a little business, like a little convenience store that sold snacks and soda. Some of them would play music. And you know what else you would see around that light? Crowds of people. People just flocked around that place to talk and to dance and to hang out. And what I noticed there was that when the whole world went dark, everybody flocked to the light. That was where they wanted to be. And friends, Jesus says his followers are supposed to be a light like that. It's a place people want to be in a dark world where you can't see anything else. Jesus' light shines and pierces the darkness. It's our identity. When we experience the kingdom of this verse, impact the world around us. And I want to tell you, if you didn't know, it's this verse that inspired the name City Light Church. City on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light of the world. We got it backwards, but we call it City Light Church, okay? That's who we want to be. We want to be a light on a hill like those little lights on the mountaintops in Rwanda. We want people to see Jesus and flock to him and dance and and hang out in his presence. And I want to tell you, that too is happening. Six years ago today, City Light Church in Omaha, the very first church, opened its doors for the first time. It means we are six years old as a family of churches. And in those short six years, that one church plant has turned into six church plants in four cities across three states that boast 142 city groups impacting all kinds of neighborhoods and networks around them. We are part of a young church planting family that's seen hundreds of people baptized, giving their lives to Jesus, and thousands of people gathering to worship him every week. Friends, the light of Jesus is shining. He said you are the light of the world, and it is shining in us, and people are seeing it. 
And we want his light to continue to shine in new hearts and homes, in new neighborhoods and networks, in new cities and states. And so we will keep pursuing that now and as long as Jesus gives us the grace to be around, all right? We are, you are the light of the world, and Jesus is doing it. And so Jesus gives us these two identities. Who are we when we enter his kingdom? We are salt and light. And then he gives us this sort of caveat. It's kind of a condition. This is who you are, but this condition might kind of mute your impact. All right, it's kind of, it feels a little bit like those unnecessarily obvious instructions that you see sometimes, kind of like this one on the ketchup bottle. Instructions, put on food, right? What else are you gonna do with ketchup? It is made to get out of the bottle. It doesn't sit in the bottle. It gets on the burger, right? Or the hot dog, or if you're my daughter, on your carrots, I don't know. Uh, Ketchup isn't made to stay in the bottle. Its only purpose is to exit the bottle and get onto the food. And Jesus is saying those same instructions apply to his followers. The salt is never meant to stay in the shaker. The flashlight is not meant to stay off to save the batteries. The ketchup is made to get out of the bottle. The salt is meant to be shaken, tasted, and the light is meant to shine. Here's how Jesus said it. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. If salt don't taste like salt, what do you do? Throw it out. That's all it's good for. And then he moves on to light. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Listen, if you live in the rural mountainous countryside of Rwanda and you had a lamp, there is no way you light that lamp, put it on a floor, and cover it with a basket. It just doesn't make any sense. It defeats the whole purpose of having a lamp. You would never do that. Light is too valuable. So instead of doing that, you would do the opposite of that. You would put that lamp on a stand high up so that as much light as possible would shine as far as possible to as many people as possible. Ketchup was meant to leave the bottle. Salt was meant to be tasted and light was meant to shine. Jesus' instructions may seem like the way too obvious instructions on the ketchup bottle, but I think he says them because too often we need to be reminded of the obvious. You with me? I need to be reminded of the obvious. And so let's start here. Sometimes we hide the light. Sometimes we just hide it. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was not speaking at a pastor's convention. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was talking to a group of his followers who lived their lives and worked their jobs out in the world. He was talking to people who regularly interacted with other people that did not know Jesus. So when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, it was not a specific call for a select few. He was not saying, hey everybody, the pastors are the light of the world, so you watch them. He was not saying, hey, the missionaries, they're the light of the world, so you just write the checks. He was not saying, hey, if you could land at the jo- uh, job at the church, 
then you'll be the light of the world. Jesus wasn't saying it was a specific identity for a select few. Jesus was talking to a crowd of his followers, and he said, you are the light of the world. And that means anyone and everyone who would call Jesus their savior and king is meant to shine his light to the world around them. You and I are called into the mission of Jesus. That means you get to talk about Jesus with friends and family, with your classmates and your coworkers, with your neighborhoods and your network. It means you get to pray for and with people in need. It means you get to live a generous life that reflects God's lavish generosity to you. You are the light of the world. And Jesus is saying, man, sometimes we hide the light. Sometimes we let things like sin, like compromise, laziness, fear, we let things stop us from shining the light. And Jesus says when we do that, it's like turning off the only light in a dark Then he tells us why we shine the light rather than hiding it. Why would you do that? Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that. Let your light shine in order that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You let your light shine so that people can see the light of Jesus in you And then give God glory for what he's done in you. You shine your light so other people can see. They can experience life in Jesus' kingdom by experiencing life with you. And friends, I want to tell you, I love being a pastor at our church because I just see this happening all the time. In this moment, I don't have to say, hey, totally change your ways and do what you weren't doing before and stop doing what you were doing before. Instead, I get to say, keep going. Keep going doing it. Let me tell you a story. I, uh, last week, got to have lunch with my friend Jordan Pettit, um, just to catch up. Uh, and he said, man, Eric, I feel like God's been moving in my life. Now, Jordan's a guy that grew up in and around the church, okay? He's, uh, he's known the church, known Jesus for a long time. But he said, Eric, I feel like God's moving in my life. I've gone to church for as long as I can remember, but I've never like read the Bible regularly. I've never done that. I feel like God is leading me to do that. I just want to read it for myself. And so you know what he did? He just committed. This year, I want to read the New Testament. And I thought, way to go, man, because people who say they want to read the whole Bible start and then stop in Leviticus every year. It just happens. So the New Testament was a good decision. Start with that. And so he downloaded a Bible app and he just started reading. Let it remind him. He pulls it up, reads a little bit each day, whatever. I don't know what his plan, but he's reading the Bible. So he's at work. He's a fireman. One of his coworkers sees him scrolling on his phone, says, what are you doing? He said, I'm reading the Bible so I get to know Jesus better. And you know what? You can actually download an app for that. It's a lot easier than I thought it would be. It reminds me, and then I read. It's pretty cool. And his coworker was not impressed. He said what you might expect somebody to say. Dude, that's weird. That's dumb. I don't know why you would do something like that. So his coworker is unimpressed, but Jordan was unfazed. He didn't make an argument. He just 
kept on going, just stuck to his plan. And you know what happened a week later? That guy who said, man, that's weird, that's dumb, he walks up to Jordan and says, hey man, what was that app you were telling me about last week? It happens! Jesus said, let your light shine so that people will see it and they will give glory to God in heaven. And I wonder, does that really happen? I oftentimes just don't feel seen or noticed. Maybe it's my small stature. I get lost in a crowd. I don't know. But I don't feel seen or noticed. And I wonder, Jesus, does that really happen? You say, let your light shine. People will see and glorify God. I don't know if I see that. Jordan did it. Listen, Jordan is not a pastor. He didn't go to Bible college. He didn't go to seminary. In fact, he just started reading his Bible like two weeks before, but Jesus' light was shining. And I don't know if the guy who saw it and asked that question uh, downloaded that app or started reading the Bible himself or gave any glory to God. I don't know what his response was yet, but what I do know is Jordan started doing good works in a place that other people could see. He wasn't ashamed and he told people what, that he wanted to know Jesus more and that was attractive. It stirred something in somebody who asked a question and now I'm praying that that guy would be celebrating Jesus with Jordan soon. Amen? Amen. Folks, this happens. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Don't let your light uh, be hidden under a basket. Don't dim it. Let it shine. Friends, keep going. Keep taking those steps and having those conversations. You're the light of the world, and Jesus is on the move. So Jesus says, it's kind of a caveat, don't hide the light. Don't put it under a basket. He also gives us a condition about the salt, okay? This one's a little bit stranger. He says that salt can lose its taste. And what he's talking about is something that looks like salt but doesn't taste like salt. All right, so there's a place called the Dead Sea. It's not too far from where Jesus was preaching this message. And the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it's so salty that like almost nothing can live in it, okay? And so uh, at the Dead Sea, this salty place, on the coastline in places, this white powder forms. And it looks like salt, And no one would blame you for mistaking it as salt because it's by such a salty place. But that white powder, though it looks like salt and it's nearby a lot of salt, it isn't salt. It doesn't taste like salt. It doesn't work like salt. If you found it in your salt shaker, you would throw it out. It's not salt. And Jesus is saying that that sort of thing happens to people. We try to look like salt without actually being salty. He's saying that people try to look like salt. Like they go to church maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time. They try to clean up their lives on the outside and do their best to be their best. They try to look the part For people who are looking at them, look the part on the outside without actually letting Jesus change you on the inside. Sometimes we can look like salt without actually being salty. And so if that's you, I want to say two things to you this morning. Number one, I'm glad you're here. 
I hope you're here because you find God's word to be encouraging and inspiring and maybe a little intriguing. And I hope you find that God's people love you and that God himself loves you. And that's why you're here and you're exploring. But I, I know some people are here because you got dragged here and there's free coffee and donuts. And if that's you, that's okay too. All right, either way, I'm really glad you're here. But the second thing I want to say is that Jesus is way better than any donut. And God's word is far better than any self-improvement plan. Jesus calls his kingdom salty because it's distinct. It's unique. There is nothing else like it. There is nothing else that can impact your heart and your life the way that Jesus Christ does it. And so maybe the too obvious question to ask this morning is, are you salty or are you just trying to look like salt? Are you salty? Is Jesus your savior and king or are you just trying to look the part? Friends, listen, the Bible says, and maybe the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, the Bible says Jesus is more than a historical figure. He's more than a good teacher and he's more than an effective leader. Jesus is the son of God who was sent to save his people from their sin and instead give them life in his kingdom now and forever. And so I'd ask you today, man, do you feel the weight of sin in your life and you just want to get out from under it? Do you feel the burden of being prone to do the wrong thing rather than the right thing? Do you feel unloved and unlovable and you just long for that to change? If that's you, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you feel unloved and unlovable because of what you've done because of who you've been, because of who you are, because of how you are, because of your history or your present, if you feel unloved and unlovable, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He says that God already loves you. Jesus already wants you. The doors to his kingdom are already open to you. And I want you to believe that today. There is no offer on the table like Jesus' offer. If you feel like, man, that Jesus thing sounds good, but it's for somebody else. If I ever was going to turn to Jesus, I'd have to change my ways. I'd have to clean up my act. I'd have to get right. I want you to know that God says, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, whoever, not the ones who are the prettiest or the cleanest or the smartest, not the ones who think they can earn it or achieve it, he says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is nothing that stands between anybody and God that God cannot overcome by the death of Jesus on the cross. Friends, 
There is no other Savior like Jesus Christ. And if you feel a longing in your heart and your soul to live for something greater than yourself, if you've ever asked the question, is there more to life than this? There has to be. Jesus is saying, there is more to life. And it is in me. The doors to my kingdom are open. Come and experience the happy blessedness of knowing me as your savior and you can have an impact with me on the world. Friends, Jesus' invitation is to you. Amen? City Light, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Let's pray. Oh God, I mean, I, just, I look at passages in the Bible like this, and I think it's too simple. It's just, it's like Sunday school, simple. And yet, I, I need these reminders. I need to remember who you say I am. I, I think we need to remember who you say we are in the mission that you have sent us on. And so God, as I've read this, I've just been reminded your kingdom has a purpose. It's to be salt in a bland world. It's to be light in darkness. And the Bible says that God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. The same God who turned on the lights for all of creation is turning on the lights in dark hearts. Has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I just, I gotta believe there are people in here today who wanna look like salt but have never actually tasted it. I believe there are people in here today that just feel like my heart is dark, my life is dark, and I need the light. I need somebody to flip it on. And if that's you, I just invite you today, would you tell Jesus about it? You can just say, my, my life is dark. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. I need some direction. I need some life. I need some light. And then just ask Jesus, if you really are the light, if you can shine your light into my heart, would you do it now? Would you do it now, Jesus? Turn it on. I want a savior. I'm ready to not be the king of my own life anymore. That hasn't worked. I need a new one. And Jesus, I want it to be you. Tell him today. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you are still saving people. And I know if you can pray that prayer, if you can just be honest with Jesus about where you are, and you can ask him to be who he is for you, I know he's going to do it. He's still saving people. He's still drawing people. He's still being a light in darkness where people run hang out and dance and celebrate because when the whole world looks dark, is dark, he is the light. So God, I pray that you would save people today from darkness to light, from death to life. I pray it'd be people who are here uh, for, who've only been here for a short time. I pray that it would be people who've been here for a long time and got really good at looking like salt on the outside, but God, would you make them salty on the inside? God, we want to be a light to the world. We want to be salt to the earth. Do it in us for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.